Welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on politics in North Orange County, California with me, Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College. Since it's an election year, we're going to invite people who hold a local office to share their experiences and advice for candidates, people who might be thinking about running for office in the future. So today's guest is Ahmad Zara from the Fullerton City Council, who was elected in 2018 under the new district elections that so many of our local cities and school boards are using. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, So this summer, the LA Times did an amazing story on you, and um, we'll link to that so our listeners can learn a little bit more about you. Um, Brief bio, you were a doctor who became an award-winning filmmaker, making documentaries and features. You've been a community leader, raising awareness of poverty and the needs of your neighborhood school children with the school supply drive that you coordinate. And as you said recently, you're a gay Syrian immigrant who knows what discrimination is. Um, You've experienced it firsthand and ran for public office to be able to make changes, to let people know that they are represented in every way, so people feel like they're welcome in society and their community is not marginalized. Incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. And I so appreciate you saying that. Um, So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And I really appreciate you spending some time with us. So let me get to the questions and stop talking so much. So, Ahmad, you were elected by the voters in South Fullerton, your neighborhood, um, but clearly making decisions for the entire city. We're kind of dealing with this new reality of district elections, um, but full representation. So what do you think we need to know about district elections? Well, first of all, thank you, Jody, for hosting these. And uh, you're, you've always been a, a in the forefront of local, local uh, politics. So I uh, always appreciate that. And uh, I and forgive any any sound that is coming. This is the reality that we live in now with COVID. So I will try to yes. get some landscaping going. Apparently in my uh, my apartment complex. Uh, but uh, I, and and I really um, appreciate all the nice things that you uh, you've said. Uh, you know, district elections. Um, I was the first uh, the, the first person to uh, be elected directly to. A district. Um, I know there's another council member uh, on our uh, our city council that originally was on a uh, elected at large and then moved to yeah. a district. But I'm the first one to to have that um, yeah. direct election to uh, in a district. Uh, what I uh, the original concept is to bring um, demographic uh, representation. So. But what I have experienced from this is that, uh, and especially my district, it was uh, a Latino, it's a Latino heavy district. And, and that was one of the things that people were telling me, you can't run, it's a Latino district, you're not a Latino. Now, my other half is Latino and my, my other, my yeah. family's Latino, uh, Latina family. And, and so I, I think that um, it is, what I realized, it is not really, um, what demographic you fit, it is how do you connect with voters? And is your, do voters see in you someone who can advocate for their issues? Mm-hmm. Uh, local elections, because they're, they're nonpartisan, uh, they tend to be more about the issues. So if you understand the issues of the neighborhoods, if you understand the issues of the residents within your uh, area and your district, and you can... Uh, and they and residents feel that you can advocate for them, then that's what matters. Yeah. And and I think on a district level, 
Um, it allows for closer representation. So uh, you are uh, at indirect contact with people on a much uh, yeah. more concise uh, and personal way. Uh, I know the street. We say, Andrea, they, they yell at you at the grocery store. Exactly. And, and actually, that's happened to me. So, yeah. <laughs> I think every school board member and city council member is like, uh, I have to be careful when I go to the grocery store. The ice cream's going to melt. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think there's a benefit in direct uh, representation, in yeah. direct communication, uh, and, uh, and more, and paying attention to some of the, the neighborhoods as opposed to only the city at large from a from a, a bird's eye view, but now you're looking at it from a smaller sort of uh, detail. And uh, for those of you longtime Fullertonians, you'll get this joke that I'm relatively new to local politics. I've only been paying attention for 30 years. Um, so I can't remember anybody coming from South Fullerton on the city council. I think you're the first in my uh, memory. Uh, I am not. So for my area, uh, as the district, the district didn't happen, so I represent the southeast part of Fulton. That part, I am the first person to represent that that part of town, mm -hmm. the southeast part of town. Now, there, there have been a couple. Uh, there's a one current incumbent who lives in South Fulton, southwest, okay. but, you, right. but, but you can't really tell because most of the, <laughs> yeah. uh, most of the uh, for the most part, the city councils have always catered to the more vocal um, sure community members that tend to be from the north side. Yeah, politically uh, privileged. Uh, and so you, you said that, I didn't. No, I, I, <laughs> but it is true. It, yeah, it, right? Yeah, There's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You have to be a little bit high up to it, be able to advocate and know the levers to push in politics. So. Exactly, exactly. But this is something, so this is something that I've strived to change because yes. now that there is a- Me too. Now, now that there's a, a someone who is a voice for this area, yes. how do I activate that? Right. The, the residents in that area to come and back me up. I tell them, look, you got me on there, but that's not enough because we need three votes always, right? So, right. so you need to help me up there. You need to come to the dais. You, you need to uh, to the uh, chambers. Yeah. Uh, you need to come to the city council meetings because if your voice is not there, we can't flip the the, the votes. Right. No, absolutely. So. You run and you win. And what's the biggest surprise about being a council member? What, what surprised you? Um, I, I don't know if it was, I, I think, I knew what was coming as far as the, um, the, the you know, the, how to get things done, the policies and the, what needs to be done, uh, the political process. I've been engaged in, for a while. Uh, what I was surprised is my own personal reactions and my own personal sort of um, evolution. Um, I always say, you know, who, who am I going to be? What sort of council member I'm going to be? I'm new to politics. I'm not a politician, uh, as you, you just said from my bio. Yeah. Uh, and so what sort of person will I be uh, as an elected official? Mm -hmm. uh, and am I going to be someone who's going to sit there and, have people scream at them and, and take it, or I've seen people just, you know, elected official just, you know, be silent. Right. Uh, will I call out the BS? Right. That I do. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, will I be a, a strong voice for, uh, for, for uh, what I believe is right for the, re the, the, the people in mind that I represent? Uh, and, um, and, and will I be able to, to be vocal about it? 
So all of those, those things. The biggest though surprise is that um, they told me you got to develop thick skin and politics is not, is, is not personal. And, and I, I tried my best to take that advice and, and I just can't. To me, it is very personal and because I ran for personal reasons. And so, so yes, it is a personal thing for me. And that translates in me being sometimes emotional. And, yeah, no, and I, I think it's really true. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's kind of the exciting part about local politics, but also the, the part that I feel so deeply for the people who put their name on the ballots. Um, it is personal. These are people you're seeing at, you know, baseball games and at the grocery store and in your neighborhood. And, um, you know, I sort of say that, you know, campus politics and uh, city councils and school boards, these local politics, the knives are sharper because the stakes are smaller. Yeah, absolutely. And when somebody, you know, when somebody attacks me and I have been attacked right. on, on, from, from even, you know, and, and criticized by allies as well. Yes. And, and those I, I really take to heart because sure. I want to do a good job. And, and you know the people. And I know the people. And so when somebody, yeah. you know, and then when somebody I know is not going to like me no matter what, sure. I, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. I listen, see if there's any legitimacy in the, uh, in the criticism. Um, is there something underlying that I can fix? And I've right. reached out to many of the people who, who uh, you know, criticized me or attacked me for one reason or another. But, yeah. uh, but it, you know, when you, you hear it from someone who you know you, is a friend of yours, their right. neighbor, that to me is very personal. So I do my best to, I, I, I get upset. Right. <laughs> I, right. For days I like, oh my God, what have I, have I done something yeah. wrong? What can I do to fix this? <laughs> and I really go out of my way to try to, to, to mend whatever I did. And I think that is what accountability is, right? Yes. That's, that's what we want. And I take it, I really yeah. take it so to heart. Right. And I think if you develop too thick of a skin, I think you start getting a disconnect from the, Absolutely. From the community. Absolutely. So let's talk about why, why you ran. What led you to run for office? Um, uh, two words. I mean, there's a, an array of things, but two words specifically that I, I will always continue to, to, uh, to talk about, which is child poverty. Uh, we have, uh, before I, I got in, um, I was really trying to pay attention to uh, the conditions of children in our, in, our, in our community. And we have, and I was involved with a lot of children organizations, and I started my school drive. As a result of that, 50% uh, of our el elementary school kids are under poverty line. Mm -hmm. Now, this is Fullerton, which is known to be a wealthy right. city. Uh, right. But half the elementary kids... Um, are under poverty line, on or under. Uh, most of them concentrated in South Fulton because you know that because of the uh, distribution of uh, Title I schools right. uh, that receive federal aid because of poverty uh, numbers. So all of them are in South Fulton, every single elementary school right. uh, that is a Title I school. So this is really an important thing. And now <clears throat> one can say, well, how do you fix that? Well, there's if for the first thing to fix this is to, you've got to acknowledge this. You've got to acknowledge the issue and start right. looking at what is leading to it and start fixing that. And what led to it, because I was talking about this a long time ago before I ran, and some people will say, well, why don't you run for school board? I said, because that's not where child poverty is happening. That's not what, right. what can change this. It is the local economy. It's the jobs. It's the, you know, the, uh, the, the housing. 
Uh, it's the social services that need to be there to, to right. help uplift some of these families so that they can get their kids out of this. It's the, the pipeline to education from, from the kindergarten to, to college um, and make sure there's an opportunity for people. And that all ties into city function. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's really the reason. Yeah. And to be partners with those school board members. You know, I think exactly. one of the things that I see over and over is people working really closely and collaboratively together. So, which kind of uh, brings me to what's the advice you would have for somebody running right now, 2020, uh, or thinking about a campaign in the future? Yeah, um, don't run for the sake of running. Really good advice. Uh, run for a cause. Yeah. Run because you believe that you can make a difference about something you are passionate about mm -hmm. and that the community needs. Um, uh, politics is much like uh, commerce in the sense that if you are, if uh, entrepreneurs and, and successful businesses are the ones that identify a need and then run on that, right? And then uh, yeah. try to fix it, try to find a product or a service that fills that, fulfills yeah. that need. This is exactly what politicians should be doing is not is finding that need and, and running to fix it if no one else is addressing it. Um, I find often many people who um, uh, want a title. They just want a title or they've, they've got, they're immersed in the political um, uh, world so much that they're right. seeing you know, different people around them. And, right. and then you see them jump from, okay, I'll try this thing and then I'll try that thing. And if it doesn't work, I'll go to this thing. Right. Be very focused. Where is the need that you think you can make a difference in? Mm -hmm. And right. that's what you run for. That's what you fight for. I love that advice. So now normally you got elected in 2018. You don't, uh, your term runs until 2022. You should be able to relax. And yet I see you um, active and uh, really involved in helping other candidates. You are a mentor. You're a champion for candidates. You're endorsing candidates. You're helping them. So um, wh why not take a vacation and enjoy it? Why, why is this important to you to help so many other candidates get elected? Because it's not about me. Uh, it's about us collectively. And we, it's about finding the right people to help um, in, in making our city the best city it can be. And locally, um, which I'm very involved in, um, we know that we have three seats coming up. Um, now, knowing the political process, we have a five council member, five council seat, um, um, five seat council, and it requires three votes to get anything done. So, yeah. in order you to say in class, can you count to three? Can we count to three? So we need to have, um, you know, for me to achieve what what I believe yeah. is important for our city, we need people who who will believe in the same thing, who will identify these issues. Um, and so, uh, and then also creating a pipeline. I don't expect to be in this seat for, for, forever. Um, uh, and I, I want to make sure that the city has good, strong, progressive voice at voices, and then also diverse voices as well. Uh, that's extremely important because we have become a diverse city, a diverse community. Uh, and I think all voices uh, need to be a part of the process and, uh, uh, and, be, and we have to be inclusive. And so I'm, I'm you know, I'm in the arena and, and it yeah, sure. doesn't stop with me being elected. Good. So clearly we're on Zoom for a reason. Uh, no one was expecting a pandemic that would shut down our society. 
such a dramatic way that it would last so long. But what challenges does this present for the city government? What are you dealing with from the city council perspective? Uh, what, are, what are we not dealing with? The city, local governments um, are the front line mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of this pandemic, of the fight against it. Um, and unfortunately, we're all paying attention to the top level fights, but we're the ones suffering from all that sort of dysfunction that's, that's happening. Um, we have suffered as a city itself, we have suffered economically because this, the businesses uh, dropped. Um, so we, we took a dip in a 30% uh, reduction in our sales tax. So we have an $8 million deficit this year. That all translates into uh, you know, struggle to man- manage a budget. To, right. uh, and that means cuts, 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 right. cuts. And we have to right. cut. We, we had to partially cut um, from every department, from every department, the museum, the arts, the after school programs, uh, library, um, public safety, um, and uh, all kinds of uh, social services. It is... It, senior services, all, all of that got shut down and then also cut. So we're looking at a yeah. long-term uh, issue happening. Then there's also the community. So my district is the lowest income mm-hmm. uh, part of town uh, and it has the highest density, which means more cars, parking issues, right? We have no, no parking, uh, no overnight parking ordinance in our city, which I'm not a big fan of. Everybody knows that. Uh, but it, so how, and then people were staying home, they lost their jobs right. so they were at home or they got locked down. Right. So we had to do, a, we were one of the first cities to push for um, a lot of measures to alleviate um, uh, some uh, financial burdens. So we stopped ticketing, one of the first cities to do that, stop ticketing uh, uh, for overnight parking. And then we pushed a lot for uh, rent assistance programs because a lot of people were, lost their jobs. And then we, uh, we also, my district especially has the largest uh, number of rent, renters, right. density, right. so I have more renters than homeowners in my district. Um, and I, I, I really pushed for a second rent assistance program uh, which we, so we doubled actually the, the amount of money that we got from the federal government to do this. Okay. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of things. And then on the health side, um, I pushed from the very day, from day one, having known my medical background and in medicine, you wear those masks and they are effective 100%. Uh, and uh, we, I, I pushed an ordinance. I got it through three, three, two. Uh, when in the very early days to have to require masks at essential businesses, right? Because I was getting a lot of calls from from families in my district saying, "Look, this this store is not uh, doing anything to, to for our employees. My kid works there. I'm worried that he's going to come back home and bring it to our family. We're Absolutely. living you know, nine, eight, eight or nine in one apartment." And so uh, we pushed that even before the governor uh, announced it statewide. So we were one of the uh, front cities to, to push for health safety measures. Yeah, thank you. So as I say to my students all the time, uh, local elections matter and elections have consequences. Um, and after you were elected, uh, one of the things that really caught my eye was that you proposed and the council approved. Uh, flying the pride flag in Fullerton. And that might not mean a lot to young people who just accept that everyone would want to fly the pride flag, but 
It's a very big deal. And I moved down here in the late 80s. Um, Congressman Bill Dannemeyer represented Fullerton, and he was strongly and forcefully against LGBTQ rights and people on the floor of the House of Representatives during the AIDS crisis. Um, the state senator from Fullerton, John Briggs, wrote the Briggs Initiative, the 1978 Prop 6 that would have banned school teachers for, um, for, for teaching in schools, allowing them to be fired simply for being gay. Um, representation matters. And seeing that flag fly in Fullerton was um, amazing to me to show how far we have come from, you know, the behind the orange curtain idea uh, that I moved down here for. So I appreciate that. And I, I don't really have a question, um, but I just wanted to allow you to talk a little bit about what that means um, as somebody who has faced that discrimination and what you've heard from people in Fullerton as a result of that. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we, I, that was one of the first things I did. Um, uh, we, it passed three, two, uh, it was a, it was a, a big deal. Um, and, uh, it, and it wasn't easy to get through, of course. I'm sure. Uh, now, um, I, I want to give you two, two little, just a background story. Uh, so back in 2008, uh, there was the, uh, the fight for Prop 8 or against right. Prop 8, the marriage equality, uh, the anti-marriage equality prop that came out back then. And I remember I was fighting with the city because uh, they were allowing for a lot of these uh, uh, Prop 8 signs up on Harbor Boulevard. They were kind of lined up as if it was like some sort of parade. And the city, and it's against city ordinance to put these up. So I was fighting with the city trying to have them but to you have to enforce that. And you have to enforce it. They were not enforcing it. And right. they were kind of, you know, having a blind eye at the time. And uh, there was a council, I'm not going to name names, but there was a, a council member who, um, uh, that, of course, we, we lost that prop passed at that time and, and marriage equality was banned in, in California. But um, w when I went to the uh, swearing in, I made my final statement at the city council. Uh, and the uh, council member who had then become mayor that year, uh, he, he didn't say anything. He thanked his people, you know, his, his followers and so on. But, but then he singled me out and said, for that guy who came about Prop 8, well, you know, you lost, get over it. Wow. And so, uh, you know, ironically, 10 years later, um, and I'm glad he was alive. He passed away since, but I'm glad he was alive when, to see the pride flag go up 10 years later. Absolutely. Um, the, the issue is it's not... It's not about just LGBT representation. It is about uh, it is about acknowledging diversity and acknowledging uh, uh, an anti-hate um, policy. I tell people this is a city policy for standing against hate uh -huh. and standing for equality. Uh, that is what this represents. Yeah. And when we did the ceremony, um, uh, the, the 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 more, most important moment for me from that ceremony was this young LGBT teen whose mom brought uh, to watch this. And she was crying. She was in tears. But, but the teen wasn't. And they were smiling. And I thought that was what we need to be doing. Right. I, this made it for me because that is the future generations that, that needs to know that they have a city that stands with them um, and not against them and they have their back. Uh, and for those who think it's not a big deal, I'm glad 
because that's where right. we need to get that's to. That's where we need to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you. Um, I just have some end of the show questions that I ask everybody to kind of gauge where people are. So just if you can share with us the best advice you ever got. Oh, um, best advice I ever got um, in general or in politics? In general. In general? Yeah. Um, The best advice was not an advice. It was more of a caution saying, you know, all my life people were saying, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I say, no, I guess I can. So, yeah. And I, I think can. that's great advice. Yeah. So what's a book that you like to recommend to people? Oh, and I picked it out from my library behind okay. here. I've got a ton of books, but this, favorite, I know. this is my one of my favorite books of all time. It is uh, the, the Prophet oh, I love it. by Khalil Gibran. I and love that uh, he wrote this, uh, it's turn of the century, well, last century. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's a, he's a Syrian immigrant uh, from what is now Lebanon, but right. back then it was Syria. So a Syrian right. immigrant like me who came to the U.S. and, and wrote this. And, and it's not in his uh, original language, the original language was Arabic, but this was his, one of his first English uh, literatures. And it was criticized as being too simplistic at the time, but it's one of the greatest pieces. And every time, every, every uh, period of my life, I read it and I learn yeah. something new uh, about it. It's I love different. revisiting books that I've read before because I, I do sort of see them in a different light depending on where I am. So um, is there a hopeful message you can share with my students and my listeners? There's so uh, much dark that I like a little light. Yeah, I always like to, to, so, all right, I always like to look at the glass half full and see how I can fill the other half. I love that. And uh, don't, don't ever uh, think that you can't do anything. People told me I got the wrong name, got the wrong religion, got the wrong right. orientation, got the wrong, right. uh, you know, uh, ethnicity. I, I mean, everything. And I still won. And, uh, you know, people told that to me before when I wanted to, you know, get into the film business sure. same thing. You can't do this. And I did. And I tell people, look, I'm, I'm an immigrant and we, we immigrants are resilient. So if I can do it, anybody can do yes. it. So this, I this, seem this. to remember a line from Hamilton that says the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, finally, who should we talk to next? I like to get ideas for the podcast. Mm. Um, there are a lot. I, I not do- know about you know everybody in, in local politics, so I'm not going to advise you who to get. There's a lot of good friends, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to identify one person, but I would like to ask you to bring someone you disagree with. I have somebody planned. Yeah. yeah. Bring I'm someone you disagree with because it's important that, um, that you always listen and not shut your, your ears uh, and then get stuck in your own world um, and always hear the other side. Uh, yeah, even I think that's disagree, great advice. Even if you disagree, um, because it's important that we or that we understand each other as well in order for us to move forward. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And we're going to have lots of people. Um, and as I tell my kids, I don't even agree with myself a hundred percent of the time. I, I change my mind and I revisit things, and we need to do that. So, I cannot thank you enough for being uh, my guest and. Uh, Thank you so much. This is A Slice of Orange on North Orange County Politics. And you've been listening to Ahmad Zara. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you very much.